Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturday with you for the next hour here. We're with you every Saturday, 11 to 1 here on 710 ESPN Seattle. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Still plenty of fun coming your way here over the next hour. We've got some NFL Conference Championship Weekend previews going along here, as well as looking at some of the coaching hires that have been made over this last week, including one in Detroit that got a little wild. Uh, that's coming up in NFL headlines. That's about, oh, 15 minutes or so from now. But, Taylor, let's uh, let's start this hour off as we do each and every Saturday. That is with the Big Three. Number one. Well, we talked about it last hour, but it's NFL Conference Championship Weekend. The stage will be set for the Super Bowl the next time we talk, so we might as well preview the games, which get off or kick off tomorrow at 12.05. Packers-Bucks going to be that first game. Going to be quite a show as two Hall of Fame quarterbacks on either side of the field. You got Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers. They won't be going up against each other, which is why I always hate saying Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, because they will not verse each other, but (laughs) to each their own. Um, One of them will be leading their team to another Super Bowl appearance, while the other one will be at home watching. And what they'll be watching is to see who wins in the AFC, the Bills, hoping to slam the Kansas City Chiefs through a table, similar to their Bills Mafia fans, but... It's going to be a tall task. Patrick Mahomes will suit up. As far as we are uh, aware, he has been cleared to play and will play most likely the whole game, barring any sort of retweaking of that neck injury. But a lot of big games, a lot to watch, a lot for Seahawks fans to watch and think about as they watch these four teams go at it tomorrow. We'll dive into that a little bit more at 12.30, give you our predictions as well as what the Seahawks fans should be watching. Number two. Well, yesterday, uh, the baseball world received some sad news as fans across America and the world said goodbye to one of the greatest to ever set foot on the field. That'd be Braves icon Hank Aaron passing away on Friday at the age of 86. He left home in Mobile, Alabama in 1951, only $2 to his name and two sandwiches in his luggage. And he would go on to set the most hallowed record in the sport, passing Babe Ruth's record of 714 home runs in 1974. Aaron's record has since been surpassed by Barry Bonds. The record now is at 762. And Aaron did it all while doing so in the heart of the Deep South as an African-American in a very tenacious time in American politics and American race relations. He was able to do something under tremendous pressure and tremendous scrutiny from those who just didn't want to see him succeed. And he did it with tremendous grace, tremendous class. He was the hero baseball needed at that exact time in that exact place. And for as amazing as he was on the field, setting so many offensive records, 25 all-star teams he was a part of, the stories shared over the last 24 hours show just how incredible of a man he was off the field. More than just a legendary baseball player, he was a civil rights hero and one of the most gracious athletes ever. Number three. Well, it feels hard to follow up talking about the iconic 
Hey, Karen. But uh, we'll talk some NBA. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up the three here. And for uh, NBA fans, Kyrie Irving finally returning from his quote-unquote mental break from basketball to join up with his two compadres, Kevin Durant and James Harden. But shocking to see this big three struggling to get going and struggling to get those wins as they lost back-to-back games to the Cavs, who surprisingly would be a playoff team if the playoffs started today. But things don't get easier for the Nets. They got Miami tonight, your Eastern Conference champions from last year. So keep an eye on those Nets. And, And as they hover around 500, what it takes to get this team going. But in a rare, shocking move by the NBA, they've actually rescinded a technical foul bestowed upon Draymond Green of the Warriors when he was yelling at his teammate James Wiseman. So they've rescinded that technical. You don't really see that a whole lot. Then a quick standings update. Of course, West Coast, L.A., Clips, Lakers still atop those standings. On the East, though... Uh, you got the 76ers currently in first place with the Pacers, Bucks, Celtics all closely behind them. Pretty interesting stuff, though, in the NBA, Curtis. Some, uh, like you see the, the Suns and the Pacers up there towards the top of the conference. Not really used to seeing those names, but uh, pretty exciting, I guess, as we still roll on to the midway point of the NBA. Yeah, there's been a lot of randomness so far in the NBA season, especially with you know some of the COVID cancellations, uh, and then also you've got teams that have played as recently as two months ago, and teams that had about nine months off. So there's a very weird disparity uh, in those teams in terms of of health and whatnot. Uh, just conditioning at this part of the season. Then you've got the Wizards, who they've had so many recent cancellations. They are going to be asked to play 41 games in 67 days uh, the rest of the season. That's going to be very difficult to see if they even get all those games in. But, I mean, it's the NBA. I would imagine they're going to try to be able to do that because they don't want to lose out on any more revenue than they've already lost out on. Uh, But that is this hour's big three. Some honorable mentions, though. Getting back to baseball here, Taylor, a move that every Mariners fan has to be thrilled about George Springer leaving the AL West, finally going to the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, six-year, I believe, $150 million contract. No more leadoff home runs, at least as many times as the Astros played the Mariners. Uh, We won't see him hardly as many times. So shout-out to George Springer leaving the AL West for good. And not only that, a lot of people and even around Paul Gallant saying that he was sort of the heart of that Astros team. And a lot of the players looked to George to be that sort of spark. So, you know, who fills that void in Houston? Don't care. Let it be no one. Let him struggle. And uh, we can move on as Mariners fans and rule the AL West over these uh, peasant teams like the Astros were supposed to be when they joined the AL West. Yeah, I will not miss him at all. And like you said, I only wish ill will on the Astros organization. Sorry. By all accounts, I think George Springer was one of the few players in that organization that was kind of skittish about using the banging scheme. Um, So I guess he gets a little bit of respect in that way, but he still wears the jersey. He still claims the World Series ring. Not a fan of that, not a fan of any Astro from that era. 
And that even stretches out to whether, you know, to wherever it is they go. Now, if one of those guys, let's say Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa ends up in Seattle or some, some by some miracle, I'll root for him gladly. Yeah. Because I'm hypocrite. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, and then also that's the only way. That's the only yeah, way. <laughs> exactly. Come to Seattle. We'll root for you. And then some other news in the sports world that not having to do with a sport specifically, but an entire network, NBC Sports Network will fold at the end of this year. Now, uh, that's where the home of the NHL is. Uh, a lot of Premier League games get played on NBC Sports Net. Uh, I think NASCAR is also on that network as well. Uh, they're folding up shop. They're going to move it to, I think, USA Network and then also their streaming service, maybe kind of foreshadowing the future of sports television viewing, kind of going towards the streaming platforms. We know ESPN has ESPN+. Plus. Very interesting to see a network as big as NBC Sportsnet uh, just say, you know what? Peace out, everybody. Right, formerly versus formerly the outdoor channel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going back. We're going way back there. So, look, I, I hope that the people who work for the uh, NBC Sports mega ship they find jobs that they are able to move to Peacock. They're able to move to the USA Network that this doesn't result in a lot of um, job loss because there, there's a lot of great people working in this industry. And look, that's not their fault. You know what I mean? They, they, they're they doing yeah. the best they can to get you great hockey content. You know, some of the best NBC shows that they can get you, some of the NASCAR content they put, put out there. So you hope this doesn't have any impact nationally or locally on some of the local NBC Sports Northwest. We're hoping the best for every single affiliate as well. So... Yeah, you, you kind of wonder just with this move made, what this means for their NHL coverage, because here in Seattle, obviously, we're going to be uh, having a big focus of our sports viewing now on the NHL come the fall of this season. The NHL rights deal is up with NBC after this season. So after the 2020-2021 season, uh, that's when you know networks can start bidding on this. You wonder if NBC is going to continue to be the home of, of hockey here in the United States. Uh, maybe ESPN makes a run for it. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that is this hour's big three. Coming up next, let's go through some of the biggest headlines heading into conference championship weekend, and not necessarily the teams involved in the games tomorrow, but some big coaching hires made in Philadelphia and Detroit this week. We'll see how those pan out here on Seattle Sports Saturday next. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Firing up the NFL primetime music. Can only, it only means one thing. That means we're talking NFL headlines here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Some tough news in the NFL world this past week. Former Seahawks executive and former Packers GM Ted Thompson passing away. At the age of 68, he was the architect of the 2010 Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers, drafted Aaron Rodgers. I would imagine the Packers tomorrow are going to have uh, something to honor Thompson and his contributions to that organization. Um, but he was somebody that you, you talk to everybody who was uh, around the Seahawks organization at the time Thompson was there. 
uh, only glowing words for him and, and just the man he was. Uh, so sorry to, to, to see him go and, and uh, wish the best for, for his family, for the Packers organization, for all the Seahawks uh people in their front office that worked with him but i mean just a tremendous legacy he leaves behind in the nfl having built that super bowl team and john schneider talked about it this week about his impact on him and you know his role as a gm and what he thought the job title should be and what you should do on a day-to-day basis he learned a lot of that from ted and, and the way he you know went about his day-to-day business so he was a a giant in the front office a lot of people here worked with him or around him know of him and the people who worked with him so again our thoughts and prayers to the whole thompson family and to the packer family and you know can they go out and get that win and hopefully you know give ted that nice little send out and uh make a run to the super bowl and maybe even a rematch of super bowl one The Chiefs can make it on the other end, too. So it would be pretty interesting to see what's going to happen with Green Bay. But again, what a legend as far as GMs go and his impact on the game and the impact on that organization, no doubt. Uh, Some other former members of the Seahawks organization moving on. You got Daryl Bevel, former offensive coordinator here. He was most recently with the Lions as their OC and interim head coach. And then Brian Schneider, former special teams coordinator here in Seattle. Those two will join Urban Meyer's staff in those same positions with Urban and the Jags. Bevel at OC, Schneider at special teams coordinator. Bevel gets to work with probably Trevor Lawrence right out of the gate. Not a bad landing spot for him. Uh, I mean, by all accounts, Bevel, really good dude. Uh, Hopefully, you know, rooting for his success. They're in the AFC, so... Seahawks don't have to worry about them too much. Uh, but what do you think of the the Bevel-Urban Meyer marriage that we're about to see? Kind of strange just even saying Urban Meyer's name in the pro game, but uh, building a, an interesting staff. Yeah, and this is going to be interesting for, for Bevel and for um, Urban Meyer because this is going to be one of the first times they haven't had a lot of talent or really any talent outside of James Robinson. So, and whoever the number one pick is, but yeah, I, it, it's, it feels weird to say, um, you know, again, it feels sort of like a retread. It feels like an opportunity. Jacksonville could have gotten a young, exciting guy to come in with urban inject some new life into this offense, but it feels like it's going to be a basic sort of ho-hum offense with Daryl Bevel and, it doesn't really make me too confident about the James Robinson fantasy stock going forward either. No, unfortunately, no. He was a he was a godsend to many this year. Yep. Uh, coming oh, yeah. out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> cut number three here. Dan Campbell, Lions head coach. I can't remember a more memorable introductory press conference than this one. Here's what I do know is that this team is going to take on the idea of this city, all right, and this city's been been down, and it found a way to get up, all right. It's found a way to uh, overcome adversity, all right. And so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right. And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, 
All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before before long. We're going to be the last one standing. All right. That's going to be the mentality. I think he wanted to continue saying kneecaps, but you only got two. You got to find something else after the third time. Right, and he started so strong. He's talking about Detroit and overcoming and just the hardship. And it's just like, yes, that is Detroit. We get this. And then it gets weirder and weirder. And then it just starts to spiral downwards and downwards. And it almost sounds like he's quoting Mulan with, I'll make a hunk out of you or I'll take a chunk out of you. And it just was one of the weirdest intros. And again, why is Eric Bieniemy not a head coach? <laughs> you got crazy loons like this guy. You got Gaze. Oh, He's got yeah. a crazy eyes, Gazy eyes, as he was using them. And it, it, it just was. I, I can't. I don't get it. I don't get why Bieniemy is not a head coach. And we got some of these. Arthur Smith had a boring opening comment. It's just like I. I don't get the hires. Yeah, boy, Dan Campbell. I. Th- I forget who it was this week. They said, I don't know if I want to run through a wall for him or call the police because I'm concerned this man is into cannibalism because I don't want anybody biting at my kneecaps. I, I, I'm quite fine with having two functioning kneecaps. That's that's something I'm, I'm cool with. Uh, and go for the whole knee. Strange. Leave the cap out of it, right? Like, Let's leave the cap out of it. That part, even just saying the word kneecap makes your kneecap feel weird. You're like, ah, ah. Tightens up. So just take the whole knee. If you're going to do it, take the whole knee out. Oh, man. Dan Campbell. Where do you go from there now? You've, you've set the tone. Like, what can you possibly do to uh, to I mean, femurs. Yeah. You got to go for the femur. <laughs> uh, some other uh, head coaching hires this week. Uh, Philadelphia hiring former Colts OC Nick Sirianni to be their head coach. Sirianni coaching under Frank Reich, who Reich was previously the Eagles offensive coordinator with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. So maybe they're trying to get some magic with that hire, trying to resurrect a little bit of Carson Wentz's career. I think they've gotten to the point of Wentz being a lost cause. I think Jalen Hurts is the future of that organization, at least in the immediacy. I don't know five, ten years down the road, but I think Hurts gives you a better shot at winning right now than Wentz does. Yeah, I agree. But, Curtis, again, this is a cheap way to sort of see if you can get that final bit out of Carson Wentz, if you can figure out some sort of formula. You know, they can always – change offensive coordinators when Hertz comes in if he comes in next season they can do something like that so but they gotta try they invested so much in wins and to have him just sputter out of control like this has been I mean historic I don't think we've seen someone regress this fast no definitely he was an MVP candidate in 2017 and now he is fighting for his job just three four seasons later Strange, strange twist to his NFL career. Uh, some draft news this week. It's going to look a lot different this year. At least the lead up to it, there will be there will be no NFL Combine this season. Uh, heading into the NFL draft, there will still be pro days at college campuses. That is how a lot of the scouts are going to be able to see these guys in person. But no Combine this year, and all interviews and medical. Uh, 
medical tests will be done via video conference. Uh, I wonder how this is going to play out with no combine because sometimes at pro days, the measurements, I'm not saying that they get flubbed, but can you take them at their word that every single one of these guys is running a 4-3-40 when, you know, you you may want to be flubbing that to increase, like, how good your program is. Right, yeah, there's something about that. It's like a brownie. It's got a fudge. There's fudge in the middle of it, and I don't know. There's something there with the pro days. And <laughs> we t- we've talked about it before on the show, Curtis, that this is going to be a weird, weird weird NFL draft. Scouts can't do their jobs. GMs can't do their jobs. The players can't show the job that they can do. So much of it is going to be based on, you know, hype and some of those things. A lot of it will be based on limited game footage. It's just going to be so weird. And this might be, you hate to say that, but the, uh, the action green lining in this whole thing. The fact that the Seahawks don't have a lot of draft picks this year and they don't have a lot of that sort of flexibility to make those mistakes, you know, maybe it leads to a good draft and maybe they truly maximize the value of this draft or go and find value outside of the draft this season because it's going to be weird and I know there's going to be a lot of players picked in spots they probably shouldn't be picked based on weird reasoning. And then, Taylor, you brought up Eric Bieniemy and his continued uh, search for a head coaching job. Well, the Texans, they interviewed, or they're planning to interview, not-yet-retired quarterback Josh McCown for their head coaching vacancy. That news was broke yesterday by the NFL Network. Uh, I mean, McCown, by all accounts, is a good dude, but... He has no coaching experience. It just seems like this is kind of a way for them to move him ahead of the line of a lot of guys. I, I, I'm sure McCown will be a good coach someday, but this just seems so far out of left field when there are clearly eligible candidates out there. Yeah, and again, text here coming in on the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line from the 253. Is it possible that Biennemi doesn't want to be a head coach? Look, I would have entertained that question last time we were on this show, but someone literally asked him point blank in a press conference this week, do you want to be a head coach without a single beat? He said yes. He said yes, that's what he's thinking about, but he's also thinking about helping this team to win another Super Bowl. So... It's so puzzling. And to be honest with you, it's it's starting to trouble me a little bit about why, why, why is this guy who has led one of the most historic offenses, who has been given credit by Andy Reid for being the architect of this offense and being one of the main reasons why it is the way it is, why can't he get a head coaching job? And meanwhile, Josh McCown, again, no disrespect to what he could be, He's never coached high school, college, peewee, fantasy, like Madden team. Like, we don't know his resume at all. And the fact that Biennemi keeps getting overlooked by people like Josh McCown is what's troubling. You get the Sirianni move, right? You get what they're trying to do in that hire. 
I don't get what they what what they see in Josh McCown that they wouldn't see in a guy like Eric Bieniemy. It's it's frustrating. It's head scratching. It's everything, and you just hope that the NFL can course correct at some point. But unfortunately, we don't know if that day is is really ever going to come. That is the NFL headlines of the week. Coming up next. We need your shout-outs, first off. Text those into the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, 710-710. Who are you shouting out this week? But up next, it's conference championship weekend. Is there anything from these four teams the Seahawks can learn from? We get into that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Looking at this conference championship slate for tomorrow, Taylor. I mean, Bucks, Packers, Bills, Chiefs, those are two really good matchups with four very evenly matched teams. I mean, I obviously your family having your dad being a huge Chiefs fan, I think that game is going to be of utmost importance again. Third straight AFC championship game for them. But when you look at these two games, I mean, which are you more excited to watch because uh, of the two you've got incredible matchups you've got Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady two of the greatest to ever throw the football you've got Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes Mahomes obviously on his way to being one of the greatest ever and Josh Allen a huge opportunity to to make a statement saying that I am among the game's best quarterbacks I mean this is going to be just an absolute buffet of incredible football tomorrow uh, yeah and i mean taking out my kansas city bias which i'm going to do in this scenario i i think it's the bucks and packers you, you you hit it right on the head you have tom brady on one side you have aaron Rodgers on the other side you have two defenses who have been sort of middle of the road but have have shown at times to be one of the best units so you're going to have someone lose this game. Someone's will to win will not be enough, whether it's Tom or Aaron. And that's what you're asking for, right? And this might be one of the last few times we get some of these quote-unquote matchups, right? Like I said, <clears throat> they're not actually going up against each other. There is no versus. They're not throwing the ball as far as they can side by side. Like, But there is the, the versus part of what can they do as the leader of that team? And to me, there's just something about Tom Brady in these games. I don't want to ever pick against him ever. I feel like I learned my lesson too many times about this has to be the year. He can't do it this year. They don't have enough talent. They don't have X. They don't have Y. They don't have Z. And yet, year in, year out, he seems to do it. Age be darned. And, uh, for me, it feels like the Packers have a lot to lose, and Aaron Rodgers specifically may have the most pressure on him out of all of these quarterbacks. Who do you think has yeah. the most pressure? Boy, most pressure, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers because yeah. he's entering that territory of quarterbacks that only have the one title or only have the one Super Bowl trip. And that is a, you know, he's got the Super Bowl title under his belt already he doesn't need to accomplish that anymore but I think for him to go from one of the greatest of his era to one of the greatest ever I think a second Super Bowl title 
would definitely help that cause. Now, there are definitely quarterbacks out there that are among the greatest of their eras. I, I look at like Brett Favre as sort of the example of greatest of his era or one of the greatest of his era. But to go from that to one of the greatest ever, I think you have to have multiple titles under your belt. That's why guys like Montana and and Brady and Peyton Manning and John Elway are mentioned uh, among that group because they have the multiple Super Bowl titles. If Aaron Rodgers never gets that, I don't know if we can put him in that conversation despite all that he has accomplished in his career and having one of the greatest arms we have ever seen. There is so much riding on this for Rodgers, and, and he's going up against a guy that has has been responsible for a lot of times the Packers weren't able to win a title because the Patriots teams were winning championships for as long as Rodgers has been a starter. Um, this is a huge opportunity for Rodgers to, to kind of leave a, an everlasting mark on the league that, you know, who knows how many more opportunities he's going to get in Green Bay, especially with Jordan Love waiting in the wings. You don't draft a quarterback in the first round to sit him for his entire career. Yeah, and on the flip side, look at Josh Allen, what he's going to have. Almost no pressure, right? No one thought the Bills would be here. No one thought he would be here. Coming out of Wyoming, a 50% passer. People thought about what he would be able to do in the NFL with, with an arm like that. A lot of comparisons to Jake Locker, local product, and about the accuracy issues, but being physical and being able to extend the play with your legs, but... This could have impact on future drafts, too. And would our teams going to be more willing to take a flyer on a Josh Allen type from a Wyoming who's only throwing 50% at that level at the next level simply because of his physicality or his ability to extend a play? Could Josh Allen winning against the Chiefs have an impact that sort of ripples in the NFL? And look, if he loses... Everyone expected them to lose. The, the Chiefs are this juggernaut, Mahomes, and, and the offense. We know the names. If the Bills win, oh my. Like, what what sort of shock wave will go through the NFL in that way if the Bills end up pulling off the upset there? So, that's dangerous. And to be playing pressure-free with a lot to win but nothing to lose, those are the teams that you should be scared of if you're the Chiefs or if you're, you know, one of the top teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, he has far exceeded any expectation I think all of us had for him. And the fact that he is playing at the level that he's at right now it's a tremendous testament to the coaching that Buffalo has had under Sean McDermott uh, and Brandon Bean, their general manager, just to take a project like Allen, who had the physical capabilities but never really put it together in the college level, and not just at the college level but not at a Power 5 school either, but the belief in him and surrounding him with weapons too. His wide receiver group, pretty good. Stephon Diggs, obviously one of the best receivers in the game. Cole Beasley, an incredible safety blanket as well. Dawson Knox, an emerging tight end. They also have a good offensive line. They not only believed in him, but gave him the tools to work with. Uh, just a tremendous thing that, that Buffalo was able to do for him. That that Bills-Chiefs game, to me, I think has the potential to be the most exciting of the two just because of the capabilities of each team's offense, how they are able to play in, expo- in an explosive manner. 
Um, and, I mean, look at Kansas City. I don't have to tell you this. I don't have to tell your dad this. But, I mean, Pat Mahomes, what he is on pace to do in his third season as a starter. So his first season as a starter wins the MVP, goes to the AFC Championship game. Second season as a starter wins the Super Bowl. Third season as the starter, already an AFC Championship game berth, could get back to a Super Bowl. I mean, we're we're looking at one of the greatest to ever do it already. And I don't feel like that's hyperbole to say after just his third year starting fourth year in the league. Yeah. And the throws he makes the, the it's just jaw dropping and not on, on top of all of these things, this is one of the toughest dudes maybe ever. Again, we were talking about kneecaps earlier and just saying the word kneecap makes my kneecaps hurt. This man dislocates his kneecap, and he's back within a couple of weeks, slanging the rock across the field like it was like nothing had happened. To have a pinched nerve so bad in your neck that you can't balance, okay? The amount of pain your body must truly be going through is substantial. And this guy was tr- still trying to get back into that game. QBs are tough, and they're, and all NFL players are tough. I'm not going to say that they're not. But this breed of QBs, and, and Josh, I'll throw Josh Allen in there, these are some tough physical dudes. So it's, it, it's a weekend of storylines. And look, another quick thing I'll throw in there. The Chiefs at one point, uh, I believe it was the last offseason, their cap number was like $400. They had like no money left yeah. on their cap. And look, the Seahawks are going to be in a similar position. They're only going to have around $2 million as of right now on the cap. So can they maneuver within that to get some players like Kansas City did? Buffalo going out and getting Quentin Jefferson. You know, we recognize him getting some of those smaller signings, those role players. That's going to be crucial. That's something for the Seahawks to watch about how those teams were able to fill some of those small roles with big-time players. Their cap number looked like my bank account the Thursday prior to payday. Oh, yeah. We were like, yeah. come on. I just, I can't even afford Taco Bell. Let's just get yeah. to Friday, please. Oh, man. When you see that comma return in your bank account, oh, oh unbelievable. It's the what greatest feeling. feeling in the world. That's what the Chiefs, oh, yeah. uh, that's what the Chiefs were kind of like uh, last offseason. But they made it work. Chris Jones, Pat yep. Mahomes, I mean, just an incredible, incredible front office there and how they were able to make it work. Brett Veach, their their GM, uh, really good, really good stuff there. Uh, coming up next. Predictions? It is, real quick, real oh, quick. Predictions? Predictions. predictions? Uh, yes. I am going to go with, I'm going to say Packers Chiefs. I know it's, it's chalky, nice. but I'm going no. Packers Chiefs. My dad, he's been pulling for that. He wants a, a Super Bowl one rematch. I, I'm still going Bucks Chiefs. I think there's something about Tom Brady and just this Bucks team. I think they have a slight edge on defense, so I think I'm going to go Bucks Chief. And I'll, we'll get out of here on this, Curtis. I got a trivia question for people oh, to think about in the commercial break. This is probably as political as we'll get on this show. Uh oh, here we go. There is a history of five presidents going to the same school as five Super Bowl winning uh, quarterbacks. What were those schools? Tell us after the break. We'll talk about it, but we'll think about it. Think about it. Don't cheat. It's online. Five presidents went to the same schools as five Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. 
Who were they? What was the school? We'll talk about it after the break. Let's let's get into that as well as your shout outs next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you for joining us here today. Part of your late after late morning, early afternoon here on 710 ESPN Seattle. As we do each and every Saturday, we wrap up this edition of Seattle Sports Saturday with your shout-outs, with our shout-outs to the Busy Heart Seltzer text line 710-710. That's where you want to give your shout-outs. We just shout-out all the good that we saw this week and all the uh, all the people that, that need those shout-outs. But, uh, yeah, Taylor, also you left us with a trivia question uh, before yes. we went to the break there. If you want to remind the good folks uh, what it was, take it away. Thank you. Yeah, so five U.S. presidents and five former Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks have attended the same university. So what were the five universities those presidents-slash-Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks attended? So I got three right away. I said Michigan, you got Tom Brady and Gerald Ford. The yep. Naval Academy with Roger Staubach, and uh, I think there's been multiple presidents that have, have come through there. Uh, and then also I said Stanford, which yep. was John Elway and Barack Obama, I believe. Was, Correct. Was uh, a Stanford Law. Now, the other two, those were some difficult ones, especially yeah. with one of them being about as recent as it can get. And then right. also uh, the other one not being a very big school. Uh, what were the other two? Yeah, so Joseph Biden and Joe Flacco both attended the University of Delaware. So Delaware wow. making this prestigious list. And, you know, some people might think the other school that shares this name would be on the list. But Miami of Ohio is on this list Whoa. with Big Ben and Benjamin Harrison, both attending the University of Miami of Ohio. So pretty fun trivia question. Thanks to my dad for uh, asking me that one, stumping me and uh, stumping Curtis. And now you can use that. Go to your uh, digital you know, hangouts and text your buddies and pretend like you're smarter than them because I just told you the answers. Yeah, that's a great. That's always a great party trick is uh, trivia because then it makes you look smarter than everybody else in the room. It's always good. Uh, shout out to Taylor's dad for for that mm. trivia question. Trivia is the way to my heart, as many mm-hmm. people know. Uh, that's that's just I'm yours entirely after that. Uh, but shout out time here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Uh, my shout out. I talked about him in the big three, but I mean Hank Aaron one of the greatest athletes in American history, obviously one of the best baseball players ever. I think you could squarely put him on the Mount Rushmore of baseball players. He's up there with Willie Mays and with Babe Ruth. I think Hank Aaron is, is up there. I don't even know who the fourth would be, but those three I think are the, the guys uh, that have sort of made baseball what it is. And, and without Hank Aaron, I mean, I don't even want to know what, what, baseball would have been like in that era that he played in the you know the, around the, the the civil rights movement and just you know how vital he was to both causes to to civil rights in America and also just to the growth of baseball as a whole 
and the way he handled himself under tremendous pressure, under death threats, simply because of the color of his skin. I mean, you cannot describe a hero more than you know what Hank Aaron was. That that is what he was. He's an American hero. Um, he is a an icon in sports, and we're all you know we're worse off as a sports community as 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 a country without people like him still around um just thank thank him for his 86 years of life and what he was able to do on the field and and really just leave an impact going f- much further beyond sports yeah i was just going to say he his baseball legacy is almost surpassed if not surpassed by his legacy in in american history and what he was able to do like you said curtis and the timing and timing was so crucial in his life and if he had been born earlier in american history would he have been allowed to play in major league baseball if he had been born later you know would he have had that same impact and would he who would have had that same sort of impact if not for him so and the stories, and that's one thing about athletes. You get stories from the press, from fans, from people who worked in the organization. And I think you could blanketly say that everyone had a positive story who crossed paths with Hank Aaron. He had an impact on so many players, Griffey specifically, and what he meant to Ken Griffey Jr. and what Ken Griffey Jr. means to the two of us and the correlation, just the trickle down between all of that and the next generation of kids and baseball players who learned from Griffey, who learned from Aaron, you know what I mean? It is just, he is rightfully cemented in the the laurels of baseball history. And we were lucky that baseball had Hank Aaron and that, you know, baseball fans got to watch him back then, the impact he had, and then the impact he had beyond baseball. And I, I think as a perfect shout out, um, he was also going to be my shout out. I also was going to put MF Doom on there. We've overlooked him a couple oh, times yeah. just because we've been so busy. But again, another guy who had impact on an industry and on people who have impact on this current generation, right? And how someone like that musically impacted a whole bunch of artists who impact a whole bunch of artists today and what that means and what we can do and, and, and honor those legacies by looking at what they accomplished and truly being remark or uh, remarking in awe at what they were able to accomplish. So shout out to those two legends. I hope they're just up in heaven doing what they do being legends. Yeah, pair pair of greats. Uh, one of the great pictures I saw yesterday that was going around uh, of Hank Aaron was him and uh, Big Boy of Outcast, where yeah. Big Boy got him to throw up uh, throw up the A for for Atlanta. Um, yep, because I mean Hank Aaron means more to the city of Atlanta than most athletes mean to their their cities. Um, kind of like what Ken Griffey Jr. is here in Seattle. I would say yeah. Hank Aaron even more so to Atlanta is you know is synonymous with that city than than you know just about anybody in the sports world and uh, i mean just what a, a a tremendous tremendous guy he was uh leaving a legacy that is going to last you know centuries beyond this one uh, shout out to him shout out to mf doom shout out to to anybody out there that has experienced any kind of loss over the last uh couple of you know a- after this last year i mean you look at major league baseball there's been a lot of tweets going around seeing just the number of of legends that we've we've seen past 
pass over the last year. It's 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 substantial. It's heartbreaking, but uh, you know. Baseball is in a much better place because of all those people that have come before it. But uh, that is going to do it for us here on this Seattle Sports Saturday. We can't thank you enough for stopping by, giving us a part of your late morning, early afternoon. Uh, Still lots to get to this weekend with the conference championship games. Also, Cougar basketball later today here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're going to want to tune in for that. That's going to do it for us. He is Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Saturday.